Welcome back to another episode of Clubhouse Talk. This is your host, Kylie Morrison. We've got on the same crew as we did for our March Madness special last week. We've got Nate, Ryan, and Brett back on to uh, discuss all the carnage that we have seen in the last week, the uh, March Madness mayhem, however you want to go about it. Everybody's uh, bracket has been busted here in the last week. How are you guys doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing, I'm doing great, but boy, am I hurting after, uh, my ego's hurting after that, uh, those picks I made last week. I was uh, dead wrong in about half of them. Yeah, college basketball analysts, they're just, at this point, just a bunch of weathermen kind of throwing a, throwing a dart at the board and see what you hit, and uh, a lot of people missed, <laughs> uh, clearly. So, looking forward to these next uh, few weeks. All I got to say is my heart hurts. I feel you there, Ryan. Uh, we're, we're our two our two squads are both out early. Creighton, at least you guys have. Uh, congrats to Brett and Nate on your team advancing past ours. I, I think we will discuss this in a few minutes. But your road looks uh, very very short going forward. What's up, Ryan? I would just like to say that both of our teams would have won as well if the opponent shot as bad as Ohio did. <laughs> hey, that's all. That's all. Greg McDermott's defensive uh, mindset, right there. He had a great game plan. Creighton, great game I, plan. Let them miss wide open defense. shots. Great game plan. Let them miss wide open shots. But hey, that, that this is what comes with March. Is you've got your uh, Cinderellas that have your your first round knockoffs. So let's uh, let's do a little bit of recap here before we get into the Sweet Sixteen games. So let's let's back it on up to where we started with uh i guess it really started last friday in it started pretty quickly you had ohio state go down the first day we had tennessee go down the first day we had purdue go down the first day i mean it came out hot and heavy here of uh upsets quick yeah not a good day for the big 10 uh whole year they're kind of talked about as the power conference in college basketball this year and how many teams do they have left just one. Is it just Michigan? Yeah, one. Michigan. Wow. Yeah. One out of – they had nine, ten teams in the tournament? That's, nine. Yeah, that's not very – that's – that's. I mean, numbers don't lie. It's not a good percentage. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, same thing – same thing with the Big 12 as well. I know, Ryan, you're – you can allude to that more. Um, being in Husker country, more Big 10 country where we're at, we watched a lot of that league this year. And, yeah, everybody thought it's, it was a Big 10 show and possibility of having four – Big Ten teams potentially even in the final four and just the debate between the Big Ten and the Big 12 what's the better conference but you know out of the 17 teams that made the tournament from both those conferences uh two remain that's just wild and um yeah nobody would have predicted that yeah after the first day the Big 12 was sitting pretty with six out of seven and and Texas losing late late foul call I thought I thought the Big 12 was looking good and then Second days came along and they just started falling. So, yeah. Last podcast, I said uh, I have no respect for the Pac-12. Like they're not that good. <laughs> blah blah blah. And they came out making me look so so bad. Yeah, I'm right it, there with you. Buddy. I think you had uh, maybe this. That was their poster material for the whole conference. Was they they got a hold of this podcast and they were they put it up on all their their locker rooms. But man, I mean. Honestly, though, you went back and listen to any, not just us. I mean, go go tune into ESPN a week ago and looking at the bracket. Every single analyst is said they're talking about how great the Big Ten is, how great the Big Twelve is, um, how deep that those conferences are going to go. The SEC was, you know, middle of the road. The ACC was bad, and the Pac-12 was kind of the the uh, it's, it was looked the same way as it's looked at in football. You know, no one really respected it, and the Pac-12 has made everybody complete fools i mean how many teams did we have here uh you've got four yeah four of the five pac-12 teams that made it are still in yeah you've got oregon state uh who's gotten past tennessee and oklahoma state two teams that nobody definitely uh not past oklahoma state i think a few people probably had tennessee is as bipolar of a team as tennessee could be this year um but they pretty well handled kate cunningham just as easily as they handled tennessee You've got uh, – then you look at Sunday, and you've still got 
UCLA, Oregon, and USC are going to be playing each other. UCLA has come all the way out of the, the first round. Uh, I, I think this is, I don't know how many years this is in a row, but it's like probably three or four years in a row that we've had a team come out of the, the first round, make it to the uh, Sweet 16. There might be something to that about getting in and getting hot early, but you've yeah. they have uh, they've really taken over this this conference or this tournament, I should say. UCLA is hot. They are yeah, hot, you might hot have right a, now. You might have a little asterisk next to that with uh, Oregon getting a, a free pass past uh, VCU. That was kind of a strange thing. Um, glad to only see one game be canceled in this tournament so far, but not how they, not how they, uh, yeah, not how they played against Iowa though. I don't yeah. think anybody is saying that they got there for free. They blew the doors off of Iowa. I was gonna say um, for but, as much of a free pass as they got, they had no free pass against what would most would probably say the sec or the third best team of the Big Ten this year, and they had what a game plan going into it. They pretty much just let Garza do whatever he wanted, accepted that he was going to score 40 on him and then shut down the rest of the team. And mm-hmm. then they had the athletes to go out there and they easily would have put up a hundred. If they tried, they scored 97, 98 on them. Yeah. yeah it's crazy that Garza put up 40 and still yeah. lost by 15. Yeah. Wow. They had three think I had what three starters that scored zero points. Just yeah, McCaffrey, Bohannon, and, uh, Frederick, all three donuts. Zeros. Yeah, Kylie, I think there's something to that uh, first four, though, especially now that they have those playing games being 11 seeds. Um, if, if I'm not mistaken, the first, when they started doing those playing games, it was just 16 seeds. And so it's just basically, oh, who's going to get fed to the Wolves, you know, even if you win. But 11 seed, those are teams that you know can make a run. And I think just getting your feet wet that extra game. Um, get those jitters off early. I think there is definitely something to that and the reason why we see that. Yeah, and to piggyback to piggyback off of Nate there, like the complete opposite way, you see Oregon not playing against VCU, coming in their first game, playing Iowa, Iowa who's already played, and blowing the doors off of Iowa, that had it just made it ten times more worse for Iowa, really. Uh, yeah, I mean you looked at you look at how teams played in the first round and most every team was coming out pretty nervous. Um, a lot of really low score, especially low scoring first halves, if not the whole game. Um, and that was not how Oregon played. They looked like they just cruised in their first round and, and they didn't miss a beat. So maybe the time off helped them. I mean, but I really don't remember a year quite like this where we have had so much carnage. And it hasn't it hasn't just been that first round carnage where you have the the handful of you expect probably five or six double digit seeds to win uh, over the games and you accept it. But multiple of them have now advanced into the sweet 16 and you've got a you've got a game of Oregon State Loyola, which we'll dive into here in a minute once we get past the recap. But I mean, you've got a you've got a 12 verse eight in a. Uh, sweet 16 matchup. That's yeah, absolutely wild. And another team that we have to reference that was absolutely electric, which was almost an upset, but Kansas uh, pulled it out was Eastern Washington. Um, they were so fun to watch. The, the Groves brothers, Tanner and Jacob Groves. There was Napoleon Dynamite and Jackie Moon were, t- were trending on Twitter <laughs> Because Tanner Groves looks like Jackie Moon with his headband and his curly hair. And he dropped 35 on McCormick for KU. And it was just it was just so fun to watch. The It's just what makes March so special is you just see these um, players that aren't ever given a shot, you know, at the big power five schools, but they can play. And uh, it's just cool to see them shine. Yeah, even though yeah. Eastern Washington lost that game, that's going to be one heck of a story. Those two brothers tell at their Thanksgiving for the rest of their lives. Yeah, they they put up a major fight in that game. I mean, it, you look all around. There were there were your blowouts, but a lot of really close games. A lot of teams that even if they won, they really had to squeak it out. Um, the odds makers have not done very good. The Vegas is probably taking a little bit of a bath this year. In the same way, well, I don't know, but you also look at it and you see how many up you see how many upsets, and you probably think a lot of people have the favorites too. So, I, I mean, you have the second best team coming into it, and Illinois is already knocked out. That was that was a complete shock in the second round as easily as they walked in 
and won their first game. They turn around, they play Sister Jean and Loyola Chicago in the second round, and they dominated that entire game from start to finish. I I did not see that coming. Ten out of ten times, I would have picked Illinois. I I did not give Loyola any shot. Don't I, underestimate the power of the stash. Cam Crutwig. <laughs> Just, yeah, you see Cam Crutwig on one side of the floor and Kofi Coburn on the other side of the floor and say, who's going to win this matchup here? And 10 times out of 10 with you, Ryan, you were not going to pick who ended up out on top that day. Never. I mean, between that and it's just been wild so far. Um, I really have no other thing to say other than the one, the one thing I'll do is for our uh, listeners, hopefully if you took, he did most of our picks last week that we agreed upon. We did one little pat on the back. We did all call one upset in the first round. We all had Iowa over Virginia. Our, wow. uh, our Ohio Bobcats pulled it off for us in a nice 14 or was it 13, four upset over Virginia. Probably a lot of people had that one in your brackets, but a little pat on the back for ourselves right there. Yes, sir. So, we can, uh, we can, that, that pretty well covers a lot of what happened. So let's start diving into the Sweet 16 games here and, and see kind of where this takes us in terms of where we see the rest of this tournament going. And, and maybe if we have any, any changes to our picks of, uh, of who we might win at all. But we'll start here with the, with the first game on, on Saturday afternoon, at, tipping off at 2.40 Eastern, uh, starting with, the Beavers or of Oregon State and Loyola Chicago. Uh, I mean, we, we just alluded to it a second ago. Loyola, uh, Oregon State's won, what now, five straight games that would have ended their season. Um, and Loyola Chicago rolled through their conference, didn't play for a week and a half, come out, and they beat a Georgia Tech team without their best player. They win that game, and then they dominated uh, Illinois in the second round. So where do you guys see this game going? Now that you say that, it, it's crazy. It's crazy to think that uh, Georgia Tech was out their best player, and it's crazy to think that Oregon State could have potentially lost considering Georgia Tech has their best player and this whole bracket would be different. I mean, it, just the little things that, that really are crazy about uh, this time of the year. It's what makes March so special. It's why I uh, have – clamored for this before on the podcast, but I think that they need to go to more teams in college football. This there's nothing better than seeing these Cinderella stories come true. I mean, you've got a team like Loyola Chicago who probably half of America didn't watch this year. The only reason they know about Loyola Chicago is because of their final four run two year or three years ago. Um, and they have a chance. They are three games away from winning a national championship. So, uh, yes. but yeah, it's all about when you get hot. And Oregon State, they got hot at the right time. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Loyal Chicago is a great story. Um, and I'm, I'm going to say, I'll say it right now, I was completely wrong about them. Uh, I said Sister Jean gave him four seeds higher than they should have been. But uh, that Cam Krobic guy can ball. I think Illinois would, would uh, disagree with you and say that they were four seeds too high. In terms yeah. of they should have instead of being an eight, Illinois, which is they probably were a four, uh, and they hadn't seen him in the second round. But uh, I mean, this is a this is a really tough one. You've got two extremely extremely hot teams. Uh, you've got two really really good big men going up against each other uh, to to for both teams. I I'm really at a at a loss here. I know the odds makers have uh, Loyola favored, but where do you guys see it going? Yeah, I mean, going off, Brett, like what you said, get hot at the right time. I mean, the the announcers, they harped on it the whole game where Oregon State, they were projected to finish last in the preseason uh, Pac-12 rankings. And then end of the regular season, they finished sixth out of the 12-team league. And, yeah, they just got hot, and they're continuing to ride that. Um, but I, I think that's going to end here. I, Loyola, I, I think they're legit, obviously, clearly. Uh, in the Ken Palm rankings, they're top 10 at the end of the regular season. Um, but people just kind of pushed them to the side because they're in the Missouri Valley. Um, but yeah, they play such good defense and they play so hard. And that's what, that's what makes college basketball awesome is because 
um, just with good fundamentals and grit and just old school style of play. Um, the little guy can take down the giants and, um, Loyola is kind of looking around at the rest of that bracket, the rest of that quadrant. They, they got a pretty good chance of making it to the final four. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, I, I think that starts, uh, this weekend. Yeah. I'm in agreement with Nate there. Uh, talking about Ken Palm, Loyola is number one in Ken Palm for defense, surprisingly. Um, wow. and if I was recently in the tournament today, I'd put Loyola as a one seed. Hey, it's really easy to say that now, Brett. It's <laughs> no. real, really easy. No, that to is say that that, that that is a joke. But I, I, I do think I do think they're legit. I do think they're a great team, and I do think they will get past Oregon State this weekend. Like Nate alluded to, it's it's got a lot to do with grit. I think they got a big heart. I think they want it more. Uh, they got a good story. I know Oregon State's got a good story too, from being a nobody to somebody all of a sudden, but. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Loyola. Man, this is this one really tears me because I, I do agree that I watched some of Loyola this year, um, especially when they were playing Drake in a, in a couple of their games. I, I tuned in and they all year I've known that they were legit. They were a top 25 team um, in the AP poll, but uh, I'm really struggling here. I, I see Oregon State as the hot team at the right time. And maybe it's a little bit of bias of I've seen them get past my own team. And maybe I just kind of want to see them go further to, to validate myself and feel a little bit better about the loss, but I'll go against the grain on this one. And I will actually take Oregon state making it to the elite eight here and knocking out sister Jean. I'm going to take my statement back considering the fact that I 100,000% disrespected the pack 12 in, in so many different ways, I'm going to take it back and I'm taking Oregon State. There we go. Now we got a little two for two action here. But no, I mean, Pac-12 has has absolutely dominated this uh, this tournament. And I think that whoever knew that Bill Walton was going to be correct when he tried to pick five, when he tried to pick five Pac-12 teams in his final four. Uh, if you've ever listened to Bill Walton, that statement will actually make sense to you. If you haven't, then you will think I'm just as crazy as Bill Walton is. But uh, no, the Pac-12 has uh, showed up and they've really come to play this year. And I think that with the I think with the year that this was where you had so much in conference and so little out of conference, we didn't get an idea for who was the real power conference. And we're starting to see it now when it really matters. Yeah, the weird thing about the Pac-12 is since they're on the West Coast, they play so late at night, so the rest of the country, especially the people on the East Coast, don't get to see them play. They're in bed before these 10 o'clock games tip off. Um, so I, I do think the Pac-12 is somewhat underrated, even though I have hated it on them the entire season. But I just think it's some sort of a, a bias towards um, East Coast teams just because no one sees the Pac-12 play. But you also got to think that you know, like all the ESPN analysts, like that's their job. Like they obviously know about all these games on the West coast and still none of them other than crazy man, Bill Walton are talking about the PAC 12. So it's, it's just crazy. It really is. Yeah. Th- this was one that, that nobody at all saw coming th- this type of run from that conference just with the way that we were coming into it with the Big Ten and uh, Big 12. So we'll move on to the second game on Saturday, and that is Villanova and Baylor. And as bad as the Pac-12 has looked, Baylor has looked fantastic. Um, they have they've had two really, really solid games. Villanova is deeper in the tournament than I definitely thought that they were going to go. I had them getting bounced in the first round of Winthrop. I didn't even think that they were going to get past their second round opponent. Um, but here they are sitting in the one, one, five matchup. Where do you guys see this uh, game going? Yeah. I think the majority of the people, as you said, Kylie didn't really even have Villanova past even Winthrop. So um, I think Baylor's scary. They are so scary. Guard play is insane. And I got Baylor 10 out of 10 times on this one. I shouldn't say that, but I got Baylor. Yeah, Baylor looked like Baylor the first two games of this tournament. They were 
the majority of the season counted as a top tier team and they looked every part of that. Um, but Villanova, they made this podcast look pretty dumb in their first two, first two games. Uh, they caught fire in the tournament shooting, um, a second round of game against North Texas. They made 15 three pointers and Jeremiah Robinson Earl, their big guy has averaged 20 points in the tournament has been an absolute beast on the glass. Uh, he's going to need to step up big if they want to have a chance against Baylor. Yeah. I, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't give him a chance at all. I, I, I really don't. Um, watched a lot of Villanova this year, being a Creighton fan. And what's interesting is uh, we'll talk about the Creighton game in a little bit, but this game and the Creighton game seem like a carbon copy to me. Where Creighton and Villanova are both five seeds, both from the Big East, both beat a 12 seed and then a 13 seed to get here. And they're playing arguably the top two teams in the tournament right now in Baylor and Gonzaga and uh, Villanova, you know, they made 15 threes last game against North Texas, but um, I, I don't even think they're going to be able to get 15 threes off potentially with the defense of Baylor on, on the perimeter. I mean, with Butler and Teague and Mitchell's built like a linebacker, Vital's built like a D end and they're just so fast, so quick. Um, and they're playing like uh, the best team in the country right now. And so I like I like Baylor and uh, potentially to even get a little out of hand um, just with Villanova still being without Gillespie, uh, their starting point guard, their rock for this whole year. Um, I think this is this will be the biggest game that they'll really start to feel that. And Baylor will exploit that. And, uh, yeah, just run them. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. I mean, granted, like you know, like you just said, Villanova hasn't had the hardest route to get here. Um, I mean, went through a. I thought that they were going to have the shooting. They didn't put it together enough. And then North Texas absolutely shot the ball horribly against them and Villanova shot great. So that game got out of hand quick, but I, I see this getting out of hand. I think that Villanova will, will really, really struggle to keep up with the guard play. Like you guys have, have previously mentioned here. Um, I, I think Baylor's going to be able to run up and down the court on them. Villanova will not have anywhere close to the answers aside from them having another shooting night like they did where they make 15 to 23s. If they do that, they, they can stay in this game and they can make, and if you can get it to, you know, a two possession game with four minutes to go, it's all bets are off. So, um, but I, I just don't see that happening. I see this probably being a 10 to 15 point victory for Baylor. Pretty, pretty handily, pretty, pretty comfortable for him. But you know, what is it? Jay Wright is the coach there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, best, Jay, best dressed it, man in college basketball. It's really hard to it's really hard to put against him in in March though, because that guy is one of the best motivators and one of the best coaches left in this tournament without a shadow of a yeah. doubt. So we'll see what type of game plan he has for him. Uh, we'll see if Baylor can knock down shots. One cold night of shooting, and and it could be a different story. But like like I've said, and like you guys have all said, you got Baylor rolling in this one. Yeah, the guard play is just. It's insane. I think even with Colin Gillespie even in there, throw him back in the mix. I don't even see Baylor, or I don't even see Villanova touching Baylor, even with Gillespie. I am uh, right there with you, Brian. Ryan. So here we go on to uh, the third game of the day on Saturday at Tibetoff at seven twenty-five. We've got Oral Roberts in Arkansas. Oral Roberts is your uh, your super Cinderella darling of this tournament. They are the second 15 seed to ever make it to the Sweet 16, following Florida Gulf Coast from a few years ago. That had to been six or seven years ago, I think now, um, that they made their Sweet 16 run. And they've done it by getting past Ohio State and then Florida. Obviously, Florida is probably not as hard of a victory to get past, but they took it to Ohio State. They beat them in overtime. They had the lead for a lot of that game, kind of collapsed the interregulation. Um, and did enough in overtime to pull it out. And here they are facing the three-seed Arkansas, who really struggled for a while with Colgate in their opening round and just, just barely sneaked themselves past the Red Raiders of Texas Tech in the second round with a couple of missed layups at the end of the game by, by the Red Raiders. So where do you guys see this game going in a three fifteen matchup? Yeah, I think uh, Arkansas played well in their first two games. Um, obviously, the second game, the Texas Tech game, was a close one. Uh, but I think I'm riding the must bus. Uh, I think they, I think they played pretty well. Um, they have a six eight forward, Justin Justin Smith. Uh, he scored twenty nine and twenty in each game. Uh, 
which is was much above his uh, 13 point game, point per game average. Um, but they they do have some great guard play to go along with that. But also Oral Roberts, they have a two headed monster in Max Asmus and Kevin O'Banner, who combined to average about 40 points per game this season. And to find that in college, that's you're just not going to. That's 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 rare. Um, I think a mix between Asmus's shooting and perimeter skills and O'Banner's dominance on the glass, averaging 19 and almost 10 a game, is is going to be is going to be tough for Arkansas. I think it's going to be a close game, actually. Yeah, that's good. I'm I'm I I'm rolling with the Hogs on this one. Um, riding the must bust as well. Yeah, Asmus and O'Banner. It's it's a cool, cool underdog story. Ace Messi's, you know, is what, six foot, 170 pounds, soaking wet, but just flies around the court. You know, Banner just being an undersized forward, but busts his butt, gets a lot of boards, shoots it great from the foul line. Um, but, yeah, I think this this Cinderella story is unfortunately coming to an end here. Um, and, yeah, I, li- I like Arkansas to advance to the Elite, elite Eight. I'm going to – Roll with it. I'm going to go Oral Roberts here. I, I They played really well the last few games, I believe. With a player like Abe Smith, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to keep him down. I just want, want to see Oral Roberts win. Yeah, I didn't make this clear. I, I also have Oral Roberts in this game and a close one, but. If Ace Smith and O'Banner can play the way they've been playing, I, I got Oral Roberts. So you, we've got two picks in for Oral Roberts on the. I, I mean, if they can keep shooting the way that they have, I fully, I firmly believe that they can get past Arkansas. Um, but as much as a lot of things are pointing in the direction, Oral Roberts is eight zero in their last eight games against the SEC. Fun little fact there. Uh, but wow. I, I just, I really. Can I can't see them getting past Arkansas here. I think that they're too long, too athletic. I think it's just going to require too much three-point shooting in the same way as the Villanova victory over Baylor would require just them to go bonkers from three. And I'm going to err on the side of caution here and say that Oral Roberts cannot continue to keep making 10 to 15 threes a game. And I think Arkansas beats them in, frankly, probably a shootout. Um, I, I like Oral, yeah. Oral Roberts to keep it close. I think it's 11 point spread in Vegas. I, I like them to keep it much closer than 11. Uh, but I, I cannot see them pulling the win out outright. Yeah. Uh, if they do, if they do take this one, uh, they'll be the first 15 seed ever to advance in the elite eight. You know who that other 15 seed was Kylie? Who? Uh, Florida Gulf coast. They lost to Florida. They made it uh, past their, their sweet 16 game. No, they lost in it, but they did play okay. an SEC team, so I like the underdog story over the SEC this time. I, I did know that they made it to the Sweet 16. I was going to say, I didn't think that they made it past it. So, yeah, no team is – this is getting into uncharted territory. If they uh, make it past Arkansas, then they will literally have gone where, where no Cinderella has gone before as, as Cinderella continues to keep finding her glass slipper, as you might say. Um, and so we'll, we'll move on to the last game of the day on Saturday, which will be Syracuse and Houston. Uh, I know Ryan's got a soft spot for for Syracuse, but uh, all I can say is Buddy Bayheim has gone wild, and Syracuse has gone just uh, uh, unconscious from three. With their defense and their three-point shooting, I'm telling you right now, if they can continue the clip that they've done the first two games, they're going to the Final Four. And I have I, I, nothing stopping me of believing that. Simply, West Virginia could not score the ball. It's like they saw the 1-3-1 zone for the first time in their whole entire life. I mean, I do want to give them some credit. They're long. They're lengthy. The 1-3-1 is crazy good, but just makes me sad. Yeah, that zone Syracuse plays is scary, and I love Syracuse in this game. This team, the underdog story, the family ties – Buddy Beheim is the hottest shooter in the country right now. And honestly, Houston shouldn't even be in this game right now after the way they, put, they played against Rutgers in the second round. Um, yeah, I like I like, I like like Syracuse and Buddy Beheim is 27.5 points per game in the tournament. I, I love them in this game. 
Yeah, I like Syracuse too, but I think the bigger story that needs to be addressed is the recruiting scandal that is going on at Syracuse right now with their star player. We, we, thought, the, we thought the Reggie Bush scandal was bad. You know, he got his Heisman taken away. Coach Calipari, you know, he's had – how did he get all his recruits to Kentucky all these years? Nobody knows. McDonald's bags or something. Sorry, that's that, that's a shot at you, Kylie, you know, with the – Oh, it's <laughs> all right. Scandal. It's all right. But <laughs> have we ever seen a university pay a kid's dad millions and millions of dollars for years? And he's, you know, growing up, you know, sending his kid to camps and giving memorabilia to his son and all the son's friends even and – it is just, I think there needs to be an investigation um, into Buddy Beheim and his recruitment to play for his father at Syracuse. But uh, no, I'm just, all, all that to say, he's Syracuse is unbelievable. Um, they've been playing great. If it wasn't for McNeil being a walking flamethrower last game for West Virginia and hitting shots from the parking lot, what do you have, seven threes? Um, that game wouldn't have been that close even. Yeah. And exactly. so uh, – I mean, yeah, I, I don't think uh, Houston has enough firepower to to compete, you know, even though uh, they've had a good run this year, um, three losses. But, uh, yeah, I, I like Syracuse, that zone defense, and to stay hot. Yeah, I, Houston's been solid in the AAC, but like I just said, uh, with the way Syracuse plays that zone and then – if they they're literally shooting as a team over 50% from three, this, this postseason, you, you cannot beat that when it comes to a team that, that has those two mentalities. So as long as they keep shooting it, they're going to keep on winning. I, I've got Syracuse winning in this game. They're the underdog um, pulling off the 11, the 11, two upset here in the second round or in the third and sweet 16, making it onto the elite eight. And I'm serious. If shoot 50%, who knows how far they're going to go. So uh, there you go. You've got four picks for an upset of your 11 versus two. If you guys are filling out one of those second chance brackets that ESPN loves to pull out, if there was ever a year is this year to do those second chance brackets, I think is Almost everybody's bracket has, has been busted. Uh, I'll oh, give a no. quick shout out to uh, Nate here. Is He named his bracket Answer Key, and he is now leading the podcast group on uh, the scores. So a little props to you. He's got a 10-point lead over one of my good buddies, uh, J.P. Shaw, and then a other lead, another slight lead, I think a 20-point lead over my normal co-host, Joseph Mraz. Uh, who has not been able to make it on the last few podcasts, but we've got our basketball crew here going through this for you guys. So, and then we'll move on to Sunday for the other four games of the uh, sweet 16. And we'll go with what you guys were alluding to a little bit earlier in your Creighton blue Jays versus Gonzaga, the number one overall seed. They have pretty comfortably handled their first two games. Uh, even, fighting off a, a decent charge by Oklahoma, but I don't think it really ever got uncomfortable. So where do you guys see this game playing? Yeah, Mark Few's squad is was the number one seed, overall seed coming into the tournament, and they showed why. Uh, they routed Norfolk State and had a pretty good, pretty good game against Oklahoma. Uh, Drew Timmy stepped up big with a 30-point double-double in that Oklahoma game to lead him to victory. Uh, and he's going to need another strong showing like that against Creighton. Uh, Creighton showed some struggles in their first game against UCSB. Uh, but their second game against Ohio, um, I think they played the best defense they've played all year. Um, you guys say that it was because Ohio was missing wide open threes. But I think Greg McDermott had a great game plan um, to defend that team and try to shut down um, Preston's scoring and playmaking as much as possible. Um I think Marcus Zagorowski played amazing in both of his first two games, averaging 18.5 points per game. Uh, but I think the X factor here is Christian Bishop, our uh, center. Uh, he's a six, six foot seven, six foot eight, um, traditional small forward, but he plays center for us. Uh, he posted uh, 12 points and 15 rebounds on near perfect shooting against uh, Ohio. Um, caught a few lobs. It's really exciting to see, but yeah, I think, I think these two teams match up well against each other. Um, both high high pace uh, scoring teams. Um, I think it's gonna be a hot, really high scoring affair. Uh, Christian Bishop is gonna need to step up big in this game. Uh, Drew Timmy hasn't seen a lot of guys with his athleticism 
all year. And uh, fun fact here, Creighton's undefeated in the tournament, in, in their tournament history, when a player uh, has a double-double. When one of their players is a double-double. So I think uh, we're going to need another one of those out of Christian Bishop this week to pull off this upset. You might need a 2020 effort by Christian Bishop to get you through the next round. Quadruple double. Yeah, yeah I, got, I, uh, I still got Gonzaga winning this game, but I'm just saying, Creighton. Creighton. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think Creighton gets gets murdered as as bad as people are saying they're going to. Yeah, like uh, just like we looted Creighton, they haven't had the toughest road to get here. Um, scraping by UC Santa Barbara, beating Ohio. Ohio looked like a like a middle school knockout game. Just chucking the ball up against the backboard. They went seven of thirty from three point. It was, Credit the defense, but I, I don't see it. I um, during that game, Creighton they only had four points from their bench. Um, it was mostly mostly the starters scoring for them, um, and I yeah I think they need all hands on deck um, to cover the thirteen point spread. <laughs> I think there's a reason why the money line is plus seven hundred for the Blue Jays, and uh, as much as my heart wants them to advance, I see Gonzaga big. Um, unfortunately, how much that pains me to say that, uh, they're too good and, um, Creighton, uh, is too unproven. They're too up and down. And I think Gonzaga is going to catch them at the right time. Yeah. Gonzaga to, to say that Creighton is going to come out and run. They both like to run They're Creighton's not going to beat them at their own game. It's not going to happen. Um, they got too much firepower and I don't see this one being close at all. Gonzaga. I'm with you there, Ryan, that I don't think anybody's going to beat Gonzaga at their own game. I think Gonzaga is just too too good at it. Um, if there's any team that's going to give them half a fighting chance playing this, playing their style of game, it is going to be Creighton in terms of Creighton can light it up. I mean, you've got Mitch Ballack, you've got Zigorowski as two guys that can go bonkers from three. If Zigorowski, I mean, if Ballack made eight threes, nobody would blink an eye. It's something he's done before in his career. Um, and that's what you're going to need for Creighton to not only stay in this game, but especially to win this game. I, I see this being a game that Creighton probably puts up a really strong effort for 30 ish, 35 minutes of this game, probably within shouting distance. And then I see the last ten, five to 10 minutes of this turning lot like the Oklahoma game did a game where it's never really in doubt a game that Creighton has a shouting chance for a while. And then Gonzaga puts out the flame uh, before it ever gets really too, too uncomfortable for him. I will say it's going to be fun to watch though. It's going to be a track meet. That's for sure. Oh yeah. No, if you, you want to watch teams run up and down and shoot threes quick, check into this game uh, early on your, on your Sunday afternoon, because there is no doubt that that's what this game is going to be. Uh, And then you turn it on over and you've got the second game. That afternoon, which is your my bad, lost it here for a second. You got Michigan in Florida State, so you've got a Michigan team that a lot of people weren't even sure if they're going to get past LSU. They have looked better than a lot of people expected without livers, uh, and a Florida State team who got 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 past Colorado after Colorado's unconscious shooting in the first round, and pretty handily rolled past Colorado in the second round. So. Really, really athletic team in Florida State going up against the one seed, the lone Big Ten team left. Where do you guys uh, see this game playing out? Yeah, I think of all of the matchups, I think just the crazy year that it's been, this game, um, just kind of looking into it a little bit today, it is one that least interests me. You know, it's the 1-4 matchup, the typical what you're supposed to get in the Sweet 16. But um, just with all of the craziness that's happened this year, um, neither team is a, you know, a high flying, um, neither team has a, you know, an all American type Naismith type player, um, that just steals the show. Um, but he's not up for the Naismith best player award, the wooden award, you know, yeah, he averages 14 points a game as a freshman. That's pretty good, but I mean, he's not captivating the nation. Um, but, uh, you know, Florida state, they held Colorado to 36% shooting last game. They're, they're athletic. They play hard. Um, Michigan, you know, they had Shondi Brown help out off the bench in the last game. They're going to need another, somebody else to step up big that doesn't usually step up, but, um, I like Michigan close 
I think this one will be down to the wire. Yeah, Michigan had a boat race type game with the LSU Tigers. Uh, um, that freshman for LSU really had a had a had a game. He it seemed like every shot he was chucking up went in. Uh, but I, I got I got Michigan in this one. Uh, Florida State haven't really impressed me. They're not a, not really an impressive shooting team. Uh, they're really long, really athletic. Uh, they average six foot eight um, for their entire team, which looks more like an NBA team than a college team. But yeah, uh, I, I got Michigan here. I, I just don't see Florida State having the firepower to get past Michigan. Yeah, I got Michigan as well. Um, Florida State is long. They are lengthy, like Brad said. But uh, Michigan hasn't had livers, but they've had a couple games to to figure it out. And I think they'll not roll here. It'll be close. I'm going with Florida State. Uh, I have not been high on Michigan this entire tournament. Uh, I'm really worried about livers. I think it showed for a lot of the LSU game. LSU was incapable of making shots down the stretch. That was a really close game. And then Michigan went on like a 12 to two run there with six or seven minutes left in the game that really put it out of reach. Uh, And besides that, and before that, it was, it was a game that LSU easily could have flipped it around the other way. Uh, I, I like where Florida state is. I think that they were kind of a forgotten team coming to this tournament in terms of you you talk, you look about a month ago and there were a lot of people that were kind of worried about where Florida state would end up their length, their ability. This was arguably the best team that they've had in years. And they've had some really good ones the last couple of years. And then they lose to Georgia tech in the championship game. And everybody kind of took a pause on them and they're like, Oh, well maybe this one isn't it. And frankly, they just ran into the buzzsaw of Georgia tech and they had to play one more game than Georgia tech did in that tournament. They were more tired. And here all Florida state has done is they've come out and they've handled their business. The first two games quite easily. Um, I've got them beating Michigan. I've got them pulling off the upset. I, I think that the last big 10 team is out now after this, and you're going to go back to, and you're going to have two one seats after this. It's the way I see it. I, I see the Knowles getting it done. I would like to see it. I would like to see it. Um, then we turn to the third or the third game of that day, which is UCLA and Alabama. Um, the hottest team in the tournament, without a doubt, is UCLA against Alabama, who has just looked, frankly, almost unbeatable in their first two matchups, just as a lot of us predicted. We had them, we all had Alabama going in our final four, and they have looked completely the part going into it so far, making a crap load of threes. John Petty went berserk the last game. Um, they run, they defend, they've done it all. Do you guys see UCLA? One, keeping this close, and two, any of you guys seeing them pull off the upset here? Nope, I've seen neither, neither of those. Uh, Alabama looked super strong in both their first two games. They got a key player back, Josh Primo. Uh, they made 16 three-pointers in that second-round game, which they scored 96 points. Um, UCLA, even to keep this within 20, is going to need to fly around on defense like they normally do. And Johnny Juzang is going to need – his best offensive game of the year for them to even have a shot. But I, I don't see that happening. I have Alabama winning this easy. Yeah. I, uh, UCLA has played really well. I don't want to disrespect the PAC 12 as much as I have already, but um, I think their luck runs out here. Um, I got Bama too much. Yeah. Roll tide. I mean, they're so much fun. It's they're They're so fun to watch. It's like, uh, the Houston Rockets a couple years ago with James Harden, but without the egos, you know, they, they have the, the mindset and the great things about college basketball of determination and grit and effort, but with an NBA style where you just run and score as many points as you can. And it's just so much fun to watch that team play and the Oats coach them up. Um, yeah. UCLA, they can be tough. I mean, they, they have six, uh, as we've seen, they have six players on their team that average in double figures. Um, but no, I think Alabama, they, they go on their 9-0, 12-2 runs that can happen in the blink of an eye. And yeah, I think they'll have too many of those roll tide. I refuse to say those two words together. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've got the tide tide moving in this one. Um, they, I, I think the UCLA just won't have the firepower. It wouldn't surprise me if Bama put up another 90. A, I, I'm truly 
Juzang might have to drop 40 to keep this within 10 points of this game. Um, it's just a, it's not a good matchup for UCLA and Bama just is, they are just one of the best teams in the country. Um, winning the SEC tournament proved it. They won the SEC regular season title. They've been this way the entire season. Nobody saw it coming, and there's a legitimate chance that we might have the second ever time that we have a national champion in both football and basketball this year. Um, with with Florida being the other one, I believe 07, 08, one of those two years. Um, and so yeah, that, that's pretty much the way I see that game going. And then finishing out, we've got the Bill Walton special, as I want to call this one, the Pac-12 After Dark, the last game of the Sweet 16, Oregon and UCL, uh, Oregon and USC facing off. Um, once again, where do, you, where do you guys see this game going? What time is this one at? Uh, nine. I want to say it's 940, 9.45 uh, Eastern time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's how it should be. I got a, I got USC. I I like Oregon. They they destroyed Iowa, but I like USC. I, li- I like Mobley. The Mobley's having a great tournament. We yeah. we told we told you guys he was a player to watch out for. Um, you know he wasn't a guard, but he was one of the most electric people, the second best prospect coming out of the class, and he's taking over this tournament. Where what about you and what about Nate and Brett? What do you guys see here? Yeah, see two very long athletic teams going up against each other. Uh, Oregon's got a lot of sets that Altman likes to run to keep the pace fast, but uh, I think UCLA or USC is going to use their uh, size advantage in the paint and really just chip away at this one. And I got USC riding it out. Yeah, this this is the game I'm most looking forward to, just because going into the tournament, nobody really knew about the Pac-12, but Oregon and USC you could argue that those were the two best performing teams in the round of 32, you know, just with Oregon blowing out Iowa and USC dominating Kansas. It wasn't even close. Um, And they played once this year and USC was up 20 at half and Oregon fought back a little bit, but I just think USC's style, if you can, if they can get up early or at any point, I mean, their starters are six, two, six, seven, six, eight, six, 10 and seven foot. And they can all run the floor. And, you know, Mobley gets a board underneath and he, he doesn't find an outlet. He, he, he just takes it. And um, Oregon starters are all six foot six or below. And so I, I, I just think USC's wingspan, their size, um, and just they got some mojo now um, coming off that big win against the Blue Blood. Um, I really like them. I, I really like them. They could go potentially go very deep, um, especially because their coach, um, we referenced earlier Andy Enfield. He was the coach of that Florida Gulf Coast team, the fifth, the only other 15 seed to make it to the Sweet 16. And so he's been here before, um, but he has a heck of a different team uh, than he did with uh, Dunk City back uh, eight, eight years ago or so. But, yeah, I like USC. They're fun to watch. They're, their wingspan is incredible. Um, I like the Trojans. I, uh, I was going to bring up that game. Yeah, USC won by 14 early this year. Um, I will say that was – a month and a half ago now, I think that those were very, very different teams uh, when they played last. And so maybe it's recency bias of being so shocked at how they played Iowa, but I, I think they're going to have the same game plan in terms of they're going to let Mobley score 30 or 40. They don't care. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to go shut down the rest of that team and they're going to continue to play the rest of their game. And, they can just do the exact same thing they just did to Iowa in, in this game. They can run them up and down the floor. And they can shoot the lights out, and they're just they're just going to fast them to death, I think. Um, and I, I've got Oregon pulling it off here. Uh, I, I like the I like the way they're playing. I think that I think that they were they were a top twenty five team coming into the season. Teams knew about their athleticism. Um, the rankings did. Analysts did, and then they really struggled for a lot of the year. And I think that they're really they're finding their form at the right time of the year. Um, and who knows if they win, they might win that Pac-12 tournament if they don't have to play Oregon State when they did. So, um, I mean, as you can tell, we've got a lot of upsets. I, I expect plenty of carnage. I would be absolutely shocked if we didn't get 
multiple upsets in each of these games uh, in the Sweet 16. And then continuing on, I would expect probably at least one one double-digit seed to make it to the Final Four. I don't know about you guys, but what I want to hear is, you know, we all gave our championship picks last week. Um, most of our champions, I had, I had Gonzaga. Um, did you, you guys had Baylor, Illinois? Did anyone have Illinois? I had Illinois. Right at Illinois. You, Ryan and Nate, you guys had Baylor, right? Yeah. Yep, yeah, I got Baylor. So you guys still have your champion left. I still have my champion left. Let's start off with Brett and let's hear who is your championship matchup and who is your national champion coming out of the Sweet 16. Hmm. Um, that's a tough one. Uh, I do think Gonzaga will make it off their side of the bracket. Um, I, 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 I hate to say it because I'm really hoping they have a game against, uh, against Creighton where Creighton can pull out the win, but I, I, I don't see anyone beating that team. And, um, on the other side of the bracket, I'm going to probably have to go with Baylor. Uh, their complete team played well all season, played well in the tournament. So I'm gonna have to go Baylor and Gonzaga. Shock alert! <laughs> Shock alert! Might as well just put it up on the blackboard there, Brett. Yeah, no doubt. I I'm hoping that it's Gonzaga Bama final four matchup. I'd really like to see Bama and Gonzaga run up and down. God, that might look like, that might look like an NBA game. Yeah, just score the ball nonstop. Um, it doesn't matter who makes it out of that game. I'd love, hopefully it's Gonzaga Bama playing, I do, but it doesn't matter who makes it out of that game. Cause I got Baylor, um, beating either one of those teams. Baylor's scary. Their guard play is insane. Vital will rip you to pieces. And even Myers, Myers, he's the, with the mullet. He's a beast. The power of the mullet. So I got Baylor no matter what. Um, I'd really like to see the Gonzaga-Bama matchup. Um, but either way, doesn't matter. Baylor. Yeah, I'm, I'm riding with my initial pick when I first filled it out. Gonzaga-Baylor um, championship with Baylor winning it. Just all that Ryan said. They, um, they were kind of up in the air. They hadn't played as well towards the end of the year that they did the middle stretch before they took their COVID break, but it just seems like they've regained that mid-season form. Um, they look tough. Um, so Bay was my champ, but yeah, I like Bama to come out of the East and um, out of the Midwest. I, I like, I like Loyola to make another final four run. Um, I think they'll face Syracuse in the elite eight. I got Syracuse over Houston and then Loyola to make it to make it to another final four with sister Jean and, and the butcher. The man who looks like he works at a meat department, Cameron Crutwig, he's they're, they're playing great. They're awesome. Um, but yeah, Baylor's on another level. So I got the Bears. Man, you guys are no fun. I I, I don't want to sit here <laughs> and agree with you guys and say, and, and all four of us go Gonzaga, Baylor. It's too easy to do. This this bracket has taught us anything, which is that what we expect, it's the complete opposite. Um, I am going to continue to ride Gonzaga as I just, as I said before, I think that there's a little bit of history in the, in the making here um, to have another undefeated team, but you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go for fun here, go for broke. And I'm going to say Syracuse is going to make it all the way to the championship game. And it's going to be Syracuse Gonzaga. Um, the team that's just shooting as hot as they are. I think that they are just going to, I think that it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a run like, like Butler had, what was that a decade ago where they were, they were an eight seed. Um, You just, yep. fi- you find it at the right time. I like their matchups going forward. They've got the length to be able to handle Loyola. I've got them getting past Houston. Like I said earlier, I, I, I like Nate's pick of them playing Loyola and, and so even though I've picked Oregon state, if they play either team, I think that they have the length and the big men to be able to go up against either team's big men. And I think they're going to outshoot them. I don't think either of those teams can shoot the three ball as well as Syracuse. And then you turn it around and they're going to play Baylor and they're going to have to shoot the lights out against Baylor. There's not a shadow of a doubt, but if there's a team that's going to face good guard play and beat it, 
I think a two, three zone is a really good way to do it because they're not going to play man for man and be able to stop them. So they're going to make Baylor shoot. If Baylor makes the threes, like they're going to uh, let them then hats off to Baylor and they're going to be in the finals. But I've got, uh, I've got Syracuse pulling off the upset to continue the March May, uh, March madness mayhem. And then Gonzaga pulling it out over buddy Bayheim and, uh, and Jim Bayheim in the finals. Yeah. No, you guys, uh, go, ahead. go ahead, Ryan. What if you two speak? What I should be saying is that out of the West, it's going to be either USC or Oregon out of the East. It's probably going to be UCLA out of the Midwest. It's probably going to be Oregon state. That's what I should be saying <laughs> from the way I talked last time. I should just put all Pac-12 teams in the final four, but I'll probably just stick with my guns here and, and, and stick with what I had. Well, you couldn't have five or four Pac-12 teams in the final four because there's hey, only four Bill left. And two of them you know Bill, Bill Walton. Bill, Bill Walton's going to find a way to move that Oregon-USC <laughs> game and split them and just throw one in, the other, in, in another yep. division, and that was so he can get his four Pac-12 teams. If that – it is a crime that we're not going to have Bill Walton calling this game on Sunday night. He should be allowed to just as a celebrity caller, just, just for what he's done this year, man, would that be amazing on national television? Oh man. Hey man, one of them can take Creighton's spot and play Gonzaga. If you want, <laughs> I would gladly, I would gladly let that happen. No, I mean, it, it's going to be a good time. I, I think we've got a lot of really, really good basketball games. This has been a, a painful one. If you like, you know, if you had some dream matchups, I mean, there were, there were dreams of Io DeSumo versus Cade Cunningham. There were, there were dreams of Alabama versus Gonzaga still to come um, potential, but the way this has gone, I think we're just, we're living in the, uh, in the, in the upset world right now. It is making up for the last year of, of no March madness last year with, with about double the amount of upsets this year, it feels like. So I, I'm just going to continue to expect uh, March Madness to con- uh, to continue. It is the highest average seed of a sweet of Sweet 16 teams combined of any tournament ever. Um, so yeah, it is madness, and I'm still waiting on the NCAA to launch an investigation um, into the father of their star player of Syracuse, and um, just waiting for the sanctions to come down. Um, because, uh, yeah, the, the millions that have been fed into that kid's family from the university, um, I'm just waiting for, uh, yeah, the repercussions to be, uh, to be handed. I mean, think about all that extra recruiting time he got, like all that extra home visit time the other coaches didn't get for him. Absolute, uh, absolute disaster that, that this has gone on this long and no one's talked about it, Nate. So we appreciate you bringing it up and, uh, and we'll make sure we're going to pass this audio along to the NCAA so that they can very quickly begin this investigation. And they're going to let West Virginia move on, though, then, right? That's that's how that works, yeah, right? Retroactively, West Virginia can come in, <laughs> in, the, in the Final Four. How's that sound? I wish. I wish. But, no, um, that, that's about all I've got tonight, guys. Um, you guys got any uh, closing thoughts here before we wrap it on up? I got nothing. If I've learned anything, just expect the unexpected. And so if that means we have a, uh, a UCLA – Oregon State Pac-12 championship and, and cutting down the nets, singing one shining moment. Um, there'd be crazier things that have happened. So, uh, yeah, I just can't wait to watch the rest of the tournament. Don't want to jump ahead to next season because there's so much basketball to watch still, but I'll be curious to see uh, how this COVID thing plays out. And I'll, I'll, be, I'll be curious to see how much madness really happens next, next year as well. I'll be excited for that. Roll Jays is all I got to say. You and your Jays, Brett. We're uh, we'll all be we'll keeping you in our thoughts and our prayers after after Sunday and and see what happens on Sunday <laughs> afternoon. So we'll we'll set up a support group for you. How does that sound? Hey, I'm not gonna need a, I'm not gonna need any support group once the Battle of the Jesuits is won by Creighton. <laughs> <laughs> well, boys, I think uh, I think we've set this up in a pretty pretty good way and I hope everyone enjoys watching their games um, on Saturday and Sunday. We've got eight fantastic games to be played. And then you've got your, uh, the elite eight going out on, on Monday and Tuesday night. Um, if you guys are available, we'll see if we can't try and get this crew back together uh, one last time to take a look at that, 
what we have in the final four next week. See, see how we are all wrong again and uh, preview that final four and that national championship and, and see what we got going on. So hopefully you guys can make it on and uh, thank you guys all for listening. Last week was a record podcast for us. We, I'm going to give a little bit of a thanks and shout out to you three, bringing on some new listeners and hope that uh, all of you guys are, are along for the ride now for, for good. Cause hop on this train. It, it's rolling good. Yes, sir. I'll be around. Love yes. it. Thanks for having us on, Kylie. Yes, sir. Excited to excited to do that. Stay positive, test negative. All right, boys. Everyone, everyone have a great night. Peace.